Hey, I'm Pure Politics listeners. It's way past my bedtime in Anchorage, Alaska, and it's still completely bright outside. This podcast was recorded at... It is 2.40 Eastern on Wednesday, June 16th. Things may have changed by the time you hear this, but the sun will probably still be shining. Enjoy the show. I've never, I've never seen that, and I... It seems like it's cool to have for a couple days, but might get annoying if you have to deal with it all summer. I don't know. I should. I actually saw it in Helsinki, which ah. is good for today, where like ah. the sun went down really, really late. Like it was like very disorienting. Way to bring it all together. Hey there, yes. it's the NPR Politics Podcast. I'm Scott Detrow. I cover the White House. And I'm Aisha Roscoe. I also cover the White House. And we are talking the Biden-Putin summit, which just wrapped as we speak. Air Force One is taxiing to take off from Geneva. And Aisha, I'm excited about this. We have NPR's Moscow correspondent, Lucian Kim, joining us. Hey, Lucian. Hey, how's it going? I'm really glad to have you because I feel like we have talked so much about the American perspective. It'll be really interesting to hear your view from Moscow on how this has been portrayed and and the mindset especially of, of Putin going into this. So thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Glad to be here. So as I said, President Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin met today in Geneva. They spoke for several hours And while the two nations' deep differences were not exactly solved today, both men said in separate press conferences that today's summit was pretty constructive. I did what I came to do. Number one, identify areas of practical work our two countries can do to advance our mutual interest and also benefit the world. Two, communicate directly, directly, that the United States will respond to actions that impair our vital interest or those of our allies. And three, to clearly lay out our country's priorities and our values. So we heard it straight from me. So before we get into what happened today and what both Biden and Putin said happened today, at times those were a little bit different. uh, Aisha and Lucian, first, let's just remind everybody what the stakes were and what the goals that each leader had for this, this summit were. Aisha, let's start with you. What the Biden administration wanted to do was sort of, and they didn't say reset the relationship, but in a way they wanted to change the tone. When I talked about having been uh, mentioned Helsinki earlier, the reason why I, why I was there was because former President Trump was meeting with Putin at that time. And so I think there there was definitely a, a desire to have a contrast from what that that relationship with Trump and Putin, which was on Trump's end very complimentary of Putin, it was also still very contentious policy rise. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that that's what they wanted a change. They wanted to say, Moscow, this is where we stand. We think we can work together in some areas. But, you know, here's a line in the sand. We don't want you to cross. Uh, and if you do, there'll be consequences. And that, that's, that was what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. What Putin wanted, he wanted to end this downward spiral in relations uh, that started actually before the Trump administration. Uh, things started getting quite bad uh, under President Obama uh, towards the end of his administration um, after the 2016 election interference. Yeah. And what Putin was trying to do was start talking to the U.S. again. The whole relationship with the U.S. defines who Putin is. He needs uh, America. And a meeting like this legitimizes him as Russia's leader and as the leader of a global power. Uh, 
Part of that is what um, presidents and diplomats call strategic stability. Mm -hmm. Basically, that's just avoiding any armed conflict between uh, the two largest nuclear powers. And Putin has uh, repeatedly commended Biden uh, for extending the New START nuclear treaty, which is the last arms control agreement uh, between the United States and Russia. The other part for Russia of being recognized as a world power is that they have a say in these global hotspots in Syria, in Afghanistan, in Iran, that Russia is one of the players and sits at the table uh, alongside the United States. So Putin came out, he spoke first. His press conference seemed to last longer than Biden's press conference. And he basically said, this was a good meeting. We, you know, we came into it. It wasn't hostile. We had a good conversation. We disagree on a lot of stuff, but we're going to keep talking. First of all, did that tone surprise you? And second, what else jumped out to you from what Putin said? The tone actually didn't uh, surprise me that much as someone who's uh, been watching Putin for many, many years. Putin can really lay on the charm when he needs to. He can uh, he can be a great host. He can um, be a great listener. This is part of his training as a KGB officer to sort of um, uh, even put on at least an act that he's empathizing and listening uh, with uh, his interlocutor. So it's not that uh, he, he was just charmed by that crystal bison that Joe Biden gave him. <laughs> yes, but what was... Almost, you know, the main news for me as the summit got started was that it sounds sort of ridiculous and I'm not being sarcastic, is that Putin was on time. Yeah. He was late for President Trump at the Helsinki summit. And at this summit, he was actually on time. In fact, Russian state television was complaining that Biden was late by nine minutes. So <laughs> Nine minutes is super early for Joe Biden, as I, yes. should, and I can tell you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I do want to emphasize the fact that uh, Putin was on time. Um, it showed that the Russian side was really interested in just getting down to business. Um, the fact that they went through all their issues faster than expected um, might actually be a good sign. I mean, they just, just, they just went down through the agenda, and it seems like they addressed all the questions, uh, all the issues that they wanted addressed. All right. Let's talk about a few of the big issues. Obviously, cybersecurity was a big one. Uh, Russia is suspected to be behind a major hack of of U.S. government um, networks and other things Uh, at the end of last year. There, of course, been these ransomware attacks that the White House has said are are the fault of, of criminal actors in Russia what did the two men say about what they discussed about about cyber attacks and hacking and ransomware? So Biden said that he laid out 16 areas of critical infrastructure that should be off limits to any type of attacks uh, from, you know, water issue to energy infrastructure. He said that the these 16 areas that he told Putin are off limits and basically that if there is you know, if action is taken against them, that there would be serious consequences. He he basically laid out that the U.S. He didn't. He said Putin doesn't know everything that we can do, but we can do a lot, and that mm-hmm. there would be real consequences for it. So that's what he said on that. But they are supposed to try to work together on cyber issues. Uh, so he did. There there was a bit of a, a you know at least a, a little bit of an olive branch where they said they would try to work together on cyber issues. Lucian, what what struck you about what Putin said about this topic? Well, 
on almost any controversial issue uh, that Putin was asked about, he came back with, well, what about the U.S., right? Sort of this whataboutism. Um, and that's what happened with cyber tax as well. He said, well, come on, you know, look at the U.S. Um, he cited some kind of uh, survey that showed that most cyber attacks originate uh, in the U.S. and other countries and not in Russia. Uh, he said that Russia has answered all sorts of official queries from the U.S. government about cyber attacks, uh, ransomware attacks originating in Russia, uh, but that Russia hasn't gotten any response to its queries to the U.S. So in that sense, um, yeah, he was uh, pretty combative. Um, but I do think cybersecurity is actually something that uh, Russia um, thinks it's, is important. Um, maybe one of the reasons why Russia is so interested in cybersecurity as a topic is because, again, it's one of these issues that elevates Russia to the same level as the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, Russia's cyber capabilities are truly impressive. Uh, Russian hackers uh, are world famous. And I think that also gives uh, the Kremlin certain leverage uh, over the U.S. So last question for both of you. Do you think this changes anything? Do you think that path to stability and predictability is more possible based on today? Or do you think it's kind of back to where things have been for a while of, of aggression and, and sniping and posturing and sanctions repeat? It, it feels like it's impossible to tell. Yeah. I, and, and, and Biden did say this over and over again, that it's, it's this idea of trust but verify that in a few months they will look at and see whether they actually made progress or not, that none of these issues were solved. And, I, and in, that, in that case, I do think that that is accurate. There's no way to really know today whether the, this has really led to a change. It's really the actions that take place in the, the coming weeks that will tell the story. The proof will be in the pudding or in the eating, as Biden would say. Which, by the way... <laughs> <laughs> Lucian, okay. Aisha and I had never heard, we I'd had never, never heard, heard this never heard in that. the eating. And apparently that's the original phrase and everyone on the internet is yelling at me because I was like, what? <laughs> Have you heard this phrase, the proof of the pudding is in the eating as opposed to just the proof is in the pudding? Uh, I have, and so have most Russians. So I don't know where you guys have been all this time. Uh, in America, I guess. In, Ameri yeah. in America, in the USA, uh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Lucian, any final thoughts on either pudding or the future of U.S.-Russia relationships? <laughs> well, absolutely. Of course, um, you know, we're going to have to wait and see what happens. But I actually think it's quite significant that they met and started talking. A final statement was released uh, by Putin and, and Biden. Um, it, it's sort of the lowest common denominator. It's an agreement saying that nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought, uh, which I don't know how reassuring that is that we have to actually put that in writing. <laughs> Agree. Um, <laughs> but this is the basis for uh, this much... Uh, heralded uh, dialogue on strategic stability, mm -hmm. that basically just means that uh, military people and diplomats from both countries will now start talking about uh, maybe a future uh, arms control agreement to, uh, f to follow on the New START agreement. Uh, that's very positive, actually. And um, after uh, President Biden said in an, in an interview that he agreed that Putin is a killer, that remark went down 
horribly in Moscow. And uh, Moscow uh, called back its ambassador in Washington and strongly urged the U.S. ambassador in Moscow to, uh, to go home. Those ambassadors are now returning to their postings. Uh, the U.S. embassy has basically been paralyzed uh, here in Moscow, uh, not working. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, at least, you know, this will lift us off from, you know, really the, the, the very bottom uh, that we've reached. All right. Well, Lucian Kim, NPR's Moscow correspondent, thank you for hanging out with the NPR Politics Podcast. It was so fun. I mean, you guys should have me more often, especially considering how present, you know, Russia is in American politics. Yeah. And Lucian, we should definitely have you on more often if I have anything to say with it. <laughs> no, but okay, you should, well, that, you should definitely great. be on. And, and thanks for having me uh, uh, on today. I think you got some good stuff coming up, right, Scott? I think so. Yeah, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll go back to Geneva. Franco Ordonez has been there with us. He's been traveling with President Biden. He was there when Biden and Putin first shook hands. So I talked to him earlier today. When we come back, we're going to hear from Franco and me. So Aisha, I'll talk to you later. And let's both eat some pudding and say that phrase the normal American way. Yes. (laughs) All right, we'll be right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, developing solutions to support strong families and communities to help ensure a brighter future for America's children. More information is available at AECF.org. An internal investigation found that a cop with the California Highway Patrol sexually harassed 21 women. But those findings were kept secret until a new state transparency law passed. We dug through hours of tapes to find out what happens to officers who cross the line. Listen to On Our Watch, a podcast from NPR and KQED. And we're back. And as we've talked about in the podcast earlier this week, NPR's Franco Ordonez is on this trip with President Biden. He's in Geneva. He was at the summit. He saw Biden and Putin shake hands to start the day. Earlier in the day, before the press conferences, I hopped on the line with Franco to talk about his viewpoint of all of this. Hey, Franco. Hey, Scott. So let's start with Biden's arrival at the summit. He pulls up to the villa. He gets out. He shakes hands with Vladimir Putin. And you were standing there watching that scene. What was it like? What did you notice? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely interesting. I mean, it was kind of a race. You know, being in the motorcade, we were dropped off at kind of like the entrance of uh, the villa. It's a you know historic villa. And we had to run up this hill. We're racing to get in position. Uh, before the you know the president and uh, Russian president come out and you know it, you know he they came out as much like uh, many other you know arrivals uh, there were some uh, words you know shared by the the Swiss president uh, neither President Biden um, nor the Russian president Vladimir Putin spoke at that moment um, you know and they you know they shook hands they were smiling but you know, definitely after a week of these uh, summits and meetings, especially, you know, it definitely felt a little more stiff. I mean, just think about yeah. the, you know, the exchanges with French President Emmanuel Macron. They were, you know, embracing and walking together on the beach, you know, and same at NATO. Uh, you know, people were really happy to be with Biden. It was all smiles and warm words because they really wanted to cooperate. But here was it was different. You know, it was, it was you know, stiff from the start. And on that note. We need to talk about that. I was watching the feed of, of the summit. I saw all the press outside bunched together trying to get in. I saw the back of your head for a while on TV, and I was like, hey, Franco, 
But uh, there was an incident a little bit when you and other American reporters tried to get into the room as you were supposed to be able to be led into the room during that first sit-down between Biden and Putin and their two foreign ministers. What happened? Yeah, it was really, you know, it was really chaotic. After the leaders, you know, shook hands and went back in the building, the press was supposed to go through a, a side door. And uh, we all, you know, went over there and tried to get, uh, you know, get in position. There was a lot of shoving uh, as they tried to move both press corps in. It was really difficult uh, because, you know, a lot of people wanted to get in. The, there was a lot of yelling from both U.S. officials uh, as well as Russian officials. And at, at some point, at, at one point later on, a few uh, U.S. reporters were able to get in. And one U.S. official actually, uh, you know, motioned for me and kind of grabbed me and started pulling me over. And then another, but another secret, another agent, another uh, security agent, a non-U.S. security agent, uh, who was much bigger, you know, kind of grabbed me and put a stop to that right away and, you know, pushed me back pretty forcefully. So you got pushed by a Russian security official? Uh, you know, I did not ask for uh, his ID, um, <laughs> and I was trying to get in and trying to find every every angle. Well, Franco, um, NPR Politics listeners appreciate you physically doing the work for us to try and get in the room at this moment. That sounds kind of kind of weird and scary. Yeah, thanks so much, Scott. So let's let's just zoom out um, for one moment. You mentioned you've been on this entire trip. You've heard. President Biden speak every time he's spoken publicly. Uh, what? How would you frame his goals for this meeting? What was he trying to do? What was he trying to to tell Putin in this one-on-one conversation? You know, I mean, in you know, in, in the various press conferences that he's given along this trip, and you know, let's be very clear. I mean, like this visit in Geneva was really what everything was leading toward. And the president, you know, said that he had very clear hopes that this meeting would lead to some type of agreement on issues where they can cooperate, things like arms control or climate. But, you know, he also said that he clearly wants to lay down some red lines for Putin, you know, and, you know, warn the Russian leader that crossing them could lead to consequences. You know, and that he's talking there about election interference, cyber hacking. But all week, you know, White House officials have, you know, really downplayed expectations for any big deal. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of anticipation. You know, we will see what comes out of this at the same time, you know, it's a meeting. It's a photo op. Really, the hard work is going to come later on once we see, uh, you know, what the two leaders, what the two countries do next. Will Russia stop uh, hacking or stop harboring some of these officials? Um, and I think there's a big question mark about, about, you know, what kind of outcome will come out of this. All right. Well, that is a wrap on this podcast on the big Vladimir Putin-Joe Biden summit. Uh, Franco, you've been on the road all over the world this week. Great reporting. I hope you have a safe trip back to America. I hope that's the only time you're roughed up today. (laughs) I really appreciate it, Scott. I'm Scott Detrow. I cover the White House. I'm Franco Ordonez. I also cover the White House. Thank you for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast. (laughs) 